chapter 32. And we want in a moment to read the beginning at verse 35. I do not need to ask this because such a compliment to your under shepherd, the order here. I appreciate it so much. And since saving faith has as its essence a listening to God's word, that is a compliment to the ministry of our brother. But I do especially ask for your sympathetic air this morning. Last evening, <coughs> your dear pastor came to my room just before I retired and asked if I could detect that anything was taking place in the congregation. I told him I wasn't sure. <coughs> was been plowing pretty hard that's the deep work and you don't find out whether it's doing any good or not till time comes to have a harvest. And then he made a remark that it's typical, but I know it's true. He said he together with some of you men been praying for years for a well work of grace. And so that disturbed me. The early morning hours I wrestled with what to speak about this morning. And I come with a good deal of fear and trembling to talk to you a little while and enter into why been so long since the Holy Spirit has visited our churches. Is he offended? And is there something that we could find our hands to do that would relieve the offense that we're bringing to the Holy Ghost who alone and make Christ real in the congregation and in the heart. I want to attack that problem with all humility, not to preach down to anybody. For nearly 2,000 years since the church departed from the divine order, fled into the wilderness, by the grace of God, God has preserved the church, but it's been more like a hospital than a marching army. And we are pressed today now that a hospital can't meet the needs of the hour. We, we desperately need some churches that have power to bind Satan and loose sinners. The Lord promised that to his church, didn't he? We've seen so little of it, and we thank God for all the tokens of God's grace that we've experienced, and it's all due to His grace. 
every blessing we've had has been in spite of us, not because of us. We couldn't do but one thing, and that's the glory and the cross of Christ, nothing that we deserve. But these days when the spirit of Antichrist is breathing from within without, make every child of God examine himself individually and as brothers and sisters in Christ, call the body of Christ, to see whether or not we are offending the living Christ and the Holy Ghost by disobedience, whether or not there's anything we could do, God's people, that would be owned of God, he would brush through the obstacles and once more disturb this generation that's so well satisfied. Do what only God can do. So I want to speak with all humility and with some brokenness of spirit this morning. But I would help and not hurt. On when revival or glory will come. It's coming. And I want us to see the alternatives this morning. What God expects of us that way and what will have to happen if we do not obey him. Our hope is the promise of the word of God that he's going to restore the glory that the church has lost. He's going to restore it. We didn't have that hope we couldn't go on. I couldn't. You mean to tell me there's going to always be this nice little Chamber of Commerce or lines of the Wanya's Club sort of religion. We treat the church as a convenience. We know nothing about being in obedience and subjection to Christ and the voice of authority in the church. When we're all outlaws unto ourselves, we do just about as we think is right. When we know nothing about being in subjection to Christ as we are in subjection to one another, I'm quoting scripture. Uh, If you told me that's got to go on forever, I lose all hope because it means that this generation just going to go to hell. Our children are going to hell. Our loved ones are going to hell. Our neighbors are going to hell because nothing's short of an institution called the church that's right with God has power from on high where Christ is made real and where through the ministry of the people men are faced with a living, exalted Christ. That's our only hope today. And so we live in that hope. And in the book of Deuteronomy, the Holy Spirit through Moses, has been pleased to give us three things that taken together pinpoint the time when we may expect that the Lord will reveal his glory once again, starting in the church and spreading out into the wide world. 
I want us to look at those this morning, and I mentioned in passing two of them, and well, at some length on the other. The three things that pinpoint the time when God is going to restore glory, his glory. Men are going to be brought face to face with the glory of God. They know nothing about it now. He's been hidden from us for so long. He's, he's refused to reveal himself because of our disobedience and sin. And, but the time's coming when it's going to be revealed. And the 35th verse and the 36, 35 and 36 of Deuteronomy 32 indicate the three things that constitute the makeup of the time when God's going to restore his glory to the church, boys. Some of you men may be going to have to help to have a little disorder for the first time. To me, the longest vengeance Moses is quoting God. To me belongeth vengeance, to nobody else but to God. To me belongeth vengeance. And recompense. impolite to talk when somebody else is talking. To me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time. For the day of their calamity is at hand. And the things that shall come upon them make haste. For the Lord shall judge his people. And the word judge here means deliver. He sent the judges to deliver the people. For the Lord shall deliver his people. And he'll do it, as we'll see in a moment, by bringing judgment. and repent himself for his service when he seeth that their power is gone and there is none shut up or left. Here in this second giving of the law, Deuteronomy, in the last of the public sermons of Moses, he promises the time is coming when the Almighty God will come to the rescue of his people and deliver. And he says three things about the time when that deliverance shall come. 
And I mention the second and third thing and then preach a little on the first. Revival. I do not like that word because it doesn't mean anything now, does it? But we use it. We long for that that we mean by it to take place if we're people of God. We're so tired of playing at being Christians. We're so tired of our feasts and our services and our going through the motions without the manifest presence of the lovely Lord our I like the word glory. Glory. And it's coming when it pleases God. Our text says, He shall repent himself for his service. Someone said that the two greatest miracles the world's ever known experience. First, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and second, the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. And Saul of Tarsus was converted exactly like everybody else has ever been converted into them. After you talked about it a couple of hours and looked into it for all of the answers, the Apostle Paul said, when it pleased God to reveal his Son in me. Now that isn't fatalism, that's our hope. Then the sinner too big for God if he sets out to save him. That's our hope. <coughs> Brother, he can conquer the vilest sinner out of and brothers and sisters, I do not speak except to God's people right now. There isn't a condition too big for God if it should please Him to reveal Himself. That's our hope. Brother Pastor, if you just keep looking at the condition, you go crazy. All week, he said, oh, we Tell me about his members, these Sunday morning folks. I wish they were in. I wish they could hear the message. How sweet. The condition. Men whose business mean more to them than God. What's the business, man? Youngsters whose pleasure means more to them than the Lord. Is that right? Mothers who are going to go to hell because they've been honored with motherhood and their children have become their God instead of the Lord. And the nice little stuff we call walking with the Lord today. My God, wonder the Lord don't kill us. But praise the Lord, 
Revival come when he repents God to his servants. He said, I'm going to go down there in spite of conditions. And you know he can do it if he takes a notion. And that's the reason I urge you to prayer. You say, if I believe that, would there any need of prayer? No, if you believe that, you pray. Because he's our only hope when we said the last word about it. When we've done everything we know to do, it still ain't worth a time. He doesn't come and send the rain. That's what we pray. Like little children asking mother for bread. We pray. Oh, thou Lord of the harvest. It's been dry so long. Split the heavens with the rain of the Holy Ghost. Praise God this morning. Revival will come when it pleases God. He's able. It came on the day of Pentecost. And the religious world sure didn't welcome it, nor did the political world. And the political world don't want Jesus Christ to have an ease to stand on today. And the church world is dead set against God Almighty having attained the same way we live today. But in spite of that, if it pleases God, he can restore his glory. And then my text says the second thing, and I mention it in passing. He said, when he sees that their power is gone and there's none shut up or let up, Brother Garvin came up to me the other night. And he said, I, I see what you're driving at. Maybe the day will come when God's professing people will get ashamed at the absence of the whole world. Maybe some of you people someday will get to where you're ashamed. That inner church that wants to be a church of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, is not pleased to come and disturbed and await make Christ. Maybe we quit saying our prayers if we ever got plumb shut up, all our strength gone. If God don't come with Lord us. See what I mean? I bet you I make somebody mad now. I wish I could. I wish I could see somebody around here that's not so nice. People visit before the service starts, and as soon as I get through preaching, you take it up again. You say you love the Lord. I don't know. I wish somebody around here 
were suffering because the church is under such terrible reproach. And people say, I'm as good as old folks up there. Some of your own members who never even darken the door, or they be Sunday morning folks. They said that, don't they? And the outside world makes fun of us. And brother, if it ever dawns on you that when they do that, they're making fun of the Lord. They're sneering at us. Maybe, brother, pastor, some of us would join old Jeremiah sitting out there on the lawn weeping his heart out for the reproach of Jesus. The church, with all its imperfection, was purchased by the blood of the Son of God. It's precious. Yet, we're willing to go on in our disobedience. We can be meal today and sleep well talk about the corn crop and so forth oh when will revival come with our strength in God there's none left God grant he'll bring us but I come for the next few moments to talk about the other one of the three when the judgments of the Lord are manifest and become real in the church then the judgment of the Lord will spread out and man will realize it's God. Then beginning in the house of the Lord, when God's just again sin is made manifest and real to hearts, and they say that God working, then we're going to have revival. We're going to have glory. Right? Telling me about somebody that died some time ago and two or three different times he got in terrible trouble and God brought him marvelously forth and he sort of repented a little bit but it didn't last and then all at once he died. I ain't talking about when God brings his judgment. For many a man God brings his rod and strikes and dies. But it never becomes real to that man that God, I'm not saying that the church will experience revival when God brings judgment. He's doing it all about us, but we don't realize it's the hand of God and it's never got home to us yet. But when men are able to realize that God talking, that God's hand, that God's anger, to the rescue 
of the church which was purchased with the blood of Christ. They say that God in He said, I'm going to deliver my people out by bringing these judgments. Calamity is coming from everywhere. I want to call your attention to something here. Not every man is saved when the judgments of God become real to him. But every man who's ever saved got saved by way of the judgment of God against sin becoming real inside of him. Hear me just a minute. Let me show you something now. Listen to me. In the early days of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, listen to me now. The Lord stood guard over the purity of his in the fifth chapter of Acts the fourth chapter tells about everybody having nothing themselves they had all things in common they sold everything they had and put in the common pot the fifth chapter opens with the story of a man by the name of Ananias and Sapphira and Ananias came in made his offer and he said he put it all in there but he did and the Holy Spirit through a priest discerned and he said what did you lie to the Holy Ghost Jen lied to me and lied to God nobody forced him to do this the issue is to lie to the Holy Ghost. And when Ananias heard it, fear of God came on him. He died. He wrapped his body up and drove it out. You know who did that? God did it. You know why he did it? He was guarding his church. Just as the fire came in, from the latest society to improve or get the ten cats out of the devil's alley or do something. This generation unsaved church members doing their best level best clean this whole world up. And everybody's joined from one to a dozen things that no Christian got in his business touching with a forty foot pole. Bible said let the dead bury the dead. Let them run all these clubs and improvement societies and junk like that. Brother, if you're a Christian, just one institution you want to be a member of, and that's the church, which is his body. It's in a fight for preservation, and you haven't got enough energy to expend in any other direction. That's just God's truth. Sister Sapphira came in and she lied to the Holy Ghost. And the Lord, who was still standing guard, out she goes. And great fear came upon the people. No one. And folks in the choir this morning who sang. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. Hope you never, hope you told the truth. 
we ever have revival, you sing one little verse like that and you be telling a lie. You folks better pray that God don't begin to act, because if God ever comes on the scene, it's amazing how many folks are going, though he'll kill. Because the only reason you can put on your front of making out like you're a Christian and doing as you please is because God has left us alone. He's not guarding the purity of the church. That's the saddest thing about this hour. Even by the time the Apostle Paul writes to the church of Corinth, the church is already in rebellion against the Lord, as it's been for nearly 2,000 years. Grace of God has kept it from going out of business. And that's about it. <laughs> By the time the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth, they've got so broad-minded over there that they were like the church in Segovia. The biggest old devils in church. Members of your church with the names on And not a Christianity in your membership to judge them in the name of the Lord. And Paul wrote and said, and commonly reported that you got a member of the church over there that's living open in death with his father's wife. And he said, in the name, in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you meet together in the spirit and power, cast him out, turn him over to the dead for the destruction of the flesh that the soul may be saved. Can't go into that much, but already the Lord is not standing guard himself. Listen, brother, listen. He's appointed you and me deacons around here to lead this church in acting in his place and bringing the condemnation of this church as a body on in and every known and open sinner and refusing to allow the Lord Jesus Christ and his body. And you can't separate the head from the body. You have to bear the reproach. The churches are bearing now because for too long we refuse to obey the scripture and the Lord who wrote them. And judge! Judge him! That's why revival don't come. The Bible says if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. No, it says. But for years, your pastor and I have talked about it. We've had no discipline. And in that, we're saying, we're given two choices. We can have the presence of the Lord or we can keep everybody good humor. And so we said, Lord, it's all right. 
You come look in the window, but we ain't going to allow you to come inside when we need. Because we are not going to just say it. And if you make your presence known where there's unconfessed, known sin that hasn't been judged, then that makes Jesus Christ a minister of sin, and he ain't going to come around. Brother, this church did what Paul said. And they met together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't excommunicate and have a business meeting and vote him out. I can't get into that. That's not church discipline. You have to get into that if you're interested. But I tell you one thing, brother, you better be interested. As a brother man, I tell you now, in the name of my Lord, in the name of the church, which is his body, we must call a halt to the outright refusal to be in subjection to the Lord Jesus Christ as he's head of the church which is his body. And the only way you can be subject, Brother Green, to Christ is where he manifests himself and he's head of the church. Head of the church. You're not a Lord. Church over in Corinth got busy and produced what we call revival to handle that case. And then Paul writes and said, I got awful sorry I talked to the communion now. I'm glad I did. For he said, I brought you, he brought you to repentance. He said, God the sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Now look at the description of revival. Are you interested? For behold, this self same thing that ye saw after a godless heart. You get this, brother? Aren't you ashamed of yourself being a member of a body of Christ? Hadn't gotten enough love for the Lord and power of God that the church would put up with known sin? Don't that break your heart? Oh, brother, let my God, you mean tell me that we care so little about the Lord and the souls of men that we will not do what he tells us to do and refuse longer to make people comfortable while they are in known rebellion against said, my soul, Paul said, you're proud and you're puffed up. You think you're broad-minded. All the best folks in town's unjined up with you. Yeah, and they've also joined up with everything else. And the church comes down to the bottom. He said, you ought not to be puffed up. He said, you ought to be repenting. Or See, just a little leveling leavens the whole world. You let any known sin go unjust in this congregation, it'll spread to you. Spread to you. And 
Paul said, ye sorrowed after godless sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, you began to examine yourself. Yea, what clearing of yourself under God! We want to get the blood of men off our hands. This is revival. Ye, what fear, ye, what vehement desire, ye, what zeal, ye, what revenge in all things. Ye reproved yourself to be clear in this matter. I'm preaching perfection, no, I'm preaching the obligation the Lord laid upon his people to meet together in his name under his authority and to strive for the purity of the church of the Lord for an impure church can't reach a rebellious world. I come to close. Was a thing that's most tragic thing about the hour of living. Ladies and gentlemen, glory's coming. You folks want to start judging sin around here and thus aboard God's judgment. Huh? How about you, Jesus? You got judge son enough to start paying a little attention to the Bible? Huh? Would you back this pastor? He hadn't asked me about this. He made time. Would you back him and would you help lead this membership into a holy walk? Into knowing something about being subjected to the Lord Jesus right here in the church. This is where he manifested that we quit rebelling against him. Huh? That's right. Or you just gonna keep on doing like us Baptists have done ever since I've been behind to us, huh? Refusing to condemn See what I mean? And it gets worse and worse. Spreads and spreads. So I don't know. Maybe we'll just not do anything. Whether we do or not, the days come. And my Lord is going to come to the rescue. And he's going to purify his church house. The time is come for judgment, says the word of God, to begin at the house of the Lord. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, my God, there'll be no hope for the And the thing that breaks my heart and that causes me more pain than anything in the last few years looks like we've got so deep in our rebellion that sometimes I think I'll close my lips and I'll never call for repentance again. Just say, well, we've gone, we'll all go to hell together get sort of blue sometimes. I get under the juniper tree. And the reason I do is I see so little of God judging sin. Look at
looked like he just said, okay, boy, go ahead. Brother Brown looked like he just said, said to our church, he said, okay, just go ahead. I ain't bothering no more. Like he said to us preachers, go ahead and preach. It don't do no good. Just go ahead and go through the motions. But I'm not going to just sing. I'm not going to pierce him. I'm not going to disturb him. I'm not going to seek them and rattle them. That's all. Oh. You think that the people of the town give a hoot because we have a meeting? Nothing on earth will arouse their attention except this God Almighty brings terrible judgment on And it'll have to start in the church. God's going to have to go to saving or killing our church people, one or the other. Anything except to ignore us like he's been done. I've never seen God work at all apart from what I'm talking about. And I'm going to close by asking, would it be blasphemous for the pastor and deacons and the inner circle of this church to start meeting together and asking God one more time coming at his blessing as with obedience we set out to obey him. And to be his instruments, he's given us that task of condemnation of sin and refusal to recognize that rebellion in sin can be poulticed with the brand of Christianity. Would it be blasphemous for us to go to prayer? Oh, God, you could if you would. Maybe the conditions are such that we, we can't do anything about it. I just don't know. But, Lord, you could if you would. Start right here in this congregation. Bring your judgment in such a way that men know it and they say, that's God. That's God. That's not the truth. Not a nice little sermon. That's God. I was a big fashionable church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, great big city church. And I preached for about for several nights on how God deals with sin and got pretty hot. And some school superintendent, he took out on the meeting and said some terrible things. And he phoned up the pastor and said, I'll be back when that guy is gone. And news like that travels pretty fast. And, uh, but see, that God didn't let him get by with it. That's what I'm pleading for now. That's what I'm praying for now. That God will, 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 will change and he'll quit letting people get by with bucking his gospel and bucking his holiness and sneering at his church while the names are on the road. 
until he told everybody, and even a big citizen like that traveled pretty fast. And he went out Thursday night. Soon the talk of that city, bad news traveled fast. Was crazy fool had the bad, nice, fiery, fine son superintendent. He couldn't take it, so he just quit. And if that happened today, I guess he'd have just got by with it. But praise God, it Lord didn't let him get by with it, and he struck him blind. Friday he couldn't see at all. He went to a doctor and they examined his eyes and they said there ain't a thing on earth wrong with your eyes except one thing you can't see. Wasn't nothing wrong with his eyes except the judgment of God. And Sunday morning while they were singing just for the message there's commotion out there and there came the sun suit and then the fellow on either side leading blind as a bat they walked down the center aisle stood there and when they came to the end of the verse he held up his hand and said pastor are you there he said yes i'm here he said preacher are you there and i said yes i'm here he said you folks know what i've done and god struck me blind he said god did i don't know he said i've been on my page confessing to him, I rebel against his church. My God, that's an awful thing to do. I rebel against his ministry. If Ralph Barnett called of God, you better not love me. I don't say I am, but if I am, you better work that out, honey. If this little church founded on the rock Jesus Christ, you better quit preaching it in when it has services, you better be there, honey. Other things being equal. You're in rebellion against this church and the head of it. If you do not faithfully, with your presence and your prayers and your holy life and your money and everything else, get in on it, not be a spectator. You got no right to be a member of it. You don't have decency enough to go to hell by yourself without trying to take the church with you. You see, this fellow was fucking the God of heaven, his word, and his church, and his preaching. He said, I've got out on my face, and I've confessed my sins. He said, I'm still blind. I said, sure, you haven't publicly confessed. Church! That's the one you sinned against and you'll stay blind until you come out to the lake clock and confess that you sinned against that institution that my Lord Jesus Christ bought with his precious blood. He said, my Then he sobbed out, will anybody pray for me? I repent, I confess, is there any forgiveness? And that old-fashioned first church just got out on his face. And in about a minute, that old Sunday school superintendent got up, and he says, pray the Lord. 
doubted the way. I don't know whether this is so or not, but a lot of folks thought God did that. They thought it was God contending for his church. They thought it was God judging sin. <coughs> oh, it's in this battle. with all the passion and power this poor preacher's got. 